if you don't pick what you want to do, someone else is going to pick for you. And I kind of looked at the people that ran the shop and I was like, they like this. They love what we're doing. I don't. This isn't what I want to do. I'm doing what they want to do. And I was like, you know, I better start looking into what I want to do. And that was kind of that pivoting moment. And that was right at the beginning of the pandemic. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today's guest is Joseph Reinovic, who is a car mechanic turned to technology. So do you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, so... Obviously, I'm Joseph. I grew up wrenching. Being a mechanic was kind of something that was uh, forced on me as a kid to kind of make ends meet. We did extra side work. You know, I really didn't have a focus of where I was going or a direction. So, you know, I fell into just, it was something I was good at. It paid the bills. And one thing led to another, and you know, over a decade went by. And then I ended up, you know, kind of following my dream and becoming a software developer. So let's kind of take it back. You mentioned how it was just like forced upon you. So is this something you did in high school? Uh, Was your, you know, dad or uncle a mechanic or something of that sort? So my dad was a industrial mechanic. You know, we fell on hard times. And so we started doing side work and it kind of became a family affair to kind of help help get things by. So I learned a lot from him as a kid. And and by the time, well, I probably started actually wrenching a lot by the time I was 16. And then by the time I was 18, I was pretty competent at that point. You were always working for your family or you work for other independent shops? I tried as hard as I could to get away from that. Um, spent a couple of years as an electrician. I did not want to be a car mechanic. That I, At the time, I lived in Arizona. And I ended up kind of just going back to being a car mechanic because it was something I knew and, and it paid a lot more. So I, I worked for quite a few independent shops. Um, I did a small stint at a, at a dealership. Um, the car world's not like other worlds. You come and go a lot faster. So you you don't really stay places for staying somewhere for five or 10 years is a long time to be somewhere. The mechanics I know at my shop, they've been there for a while, but you see new people come and go. I, you know, it's definitely a part of the industry. So did you like being a mechanic or was, like, did you enjoy any parts of it? No, about the only part I enjoyed was the pay part. A neat part of it was you can be flat rate. I was flat rate for my, my entire career and flat rate means you're paid by the job. So let's say your bat or your alternator goes out in your car. It pays two hours. If I can do it in 30 minutes, I make two hours of pay. If I do it in eight hours, I make two hours of pay. So on those weeks where you're kind of stressing out about an extra bill, you can kind of kick your butt in extra high gear and make that extra money. And that part I did enjoy because that gets kind of addicting, you know, where you look at your average week and you're like, wow, I made 80 hours that week but I was only there for 40. That can definitely be a fun part of it. But the actual work, no, I, I, I despise what I do or what I did. Why did you despise it? You know, my joke was, you may as well just keep a cup with your blood in it. And at the end of the week, however many cuts and blood you can fill up is what your paycheck's going to be. So, I mean, it's just brutal on your body. I, I'm still relatively young. I already have a bad knee. Um, that was a big driving factor of me saying, you know, I really got to get out of this industry is, 
is it just takes a brutal toll on your body. You don't have the energy to do anything after work or on the weekends if you're really pushing yourself. Are there people in the industry who like stay long and who do enjoy it and who do tend to do well or it's or those people type of people don't exist? No, there's there's plenty of people that I don't know what it is different about them, but it's just something they enjoy. Uh it just wasn't for me. I mean, I'm a firm believer that everybody has a purpose in the world and everybody's needed. You know, whether that's a car mechanic or or even just a laborer digging ditches. It, the, the world needs every last one of them. I just think in this case I wasn't that wasn't me. No, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, right? Not everyone can like everything. So, how many years did you do it before you decided this is it? And what was that moment where you're like, I'm not doing this anymore? What really did it was the last place I worked at, there was a kid I worked with. He was an oil change kid. And he said something about wanting to learn a program. And he pulls out a Raspberry Pi underneath his toolbox. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So next thing I know, every day at work, I'm bringing my computer and we're I'm showing him some code. We're, we're playing with Arduinos at work. And... I was listening. I don't remember what podcast I was listening to. I was under the car and they said something about what I, what I said earlier on Twitter is that if you don't pick what you want to do, someone else is going to pick for you. And I kind of looked at the people that ran the shop and I was like, they like this. They love what we're doing. I don't. This isn't what I want to do. I'm doing what they want to do. And I was like, you know, I better start looking into what I want to do. And that was kind of that pivoting moment. And that was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I kind of saw how bad it was going to get, especially financially. And I remember coming home to my family and saying, no, we're not going to suffer. We're going to find a way to to make this work for us. This is going to be a good thing. And I took it as a chance to get in a position to be where I'm at today. I, I found a boot camp that was affordable because I didn't know where I placed. My biggest fear was, do I know how to code? Am I good enough? You know, Do I go interview? What do I need to know? What are the tricks? And I found a boot camp that was like only a few thousand dollars and you could spread it out over six months. I was like, this is great. I kind of placed myself and I, I went in there wanting to place myself at the instructor level. I didn't really want to worry about my classmates. And that turned out to be the greatest decision I ever made. How long was the boot camp? About six months. It was hybrid. It was, um, you know, only four hours video on, on weekends and then, you know, an hour or two a night. And I, Absolutely loved it. I did not want to do web technology. Web was the last thing I wanted to do, but I decided I'd, I'd go in with an open mind and see what I thought about it. You know, Bootstrap was kind of like, this is kind of boring HTML. Nothing's impressing me. But React, the moment I hit React, I loved it. It was like, this is, this is so cool. And everything I really wanted to do, I realized like I could do this all on web applications. And it, it was just the, like I said, it was, it was kind of the best decision I ever made, especially because I got lucky with my instructor. My instructor is who got me where I'm currently working today. You went through boot camps. Were there some things that came easy to you? And were there, were there other things that came hard to you? It was my first time using JavaScript. Pretty darn comfortable with Python. And I had written a lot with an Arduino, which is basically C++. So there was a lot of new things I learned. But for the most part, I didn't really struggle because I had a huge head start on everybody around me. You know, I didn't, nobody had to explain to me what a class instance was, um, or a function or any of those kind of things. Uh, and syntactically going from Python to JavaScript is like just a quick Google to look at what the syntax should be. It's not a, a giant leap, but I would say, wait, Redux, Redux kicked my butt. So 
How did you learn the stuff before when you're in the, it was all at the shop, like kind of you're just Googling things and whatnot? A lot of it was, and I had some ideas for programs that I wanted to make and some things I wanted to do. So it was, you have a project in mind and it's a lot easier to take that and start writing it down on paper and breaking it down into segments and just hit Google, hit YouTube. How the heck do I do this? I need, I need to store data somewhere. And you can just start at that point. You can pick any database, start looking through and Googling. How do I store data in Python? Or how do I store data on an Arduino? And, you know, you're going to find tons of resources. And, and that kind of just, you know, one door opens to another. And next thing you know, you're just completely, you know, that's all you do all day, every day. How long after boot camp did it take you to find a job? So being older, going into the boot camp, like I said, I put myself where I wanted to compete at the instructor level. I didn't want to compete with my classmates. I ended up making friends with my instructor. He was a former welder. And towards the end of the class, he reaches out to me and says, would you be interested to come work with me? My company, um, we need another developer. You know, corporate level moves very slow. But after a few months, he said, hey, I want to interview you. And there it was. I was hired. How did it feel doing a totally different type of job where now you're working on a computer, whereas before you're working on a car and nuts and bolts and getting dirty, and now you're kind of working on off a laptop? Oh man, it, on, on one hand, it's it's amazing because it, it is my dream and my passion. On the other hand, it, it felt at first very hard to feel productive. You know, even, even when I did something at work, it didn't feel like productive because I wasn't physically tired. I was mentally tired. So for the first probably six months, I did more yard work than I've ever done in my life because I had to go do something physical. And, you know, I would take my lunch break and go mow the lawn because I, I just needed to let out that that outlet. Yeah, I can imagine. Because when you're changing a tire, right? You know you changed the tire versus <laughs> writing a piece of code. Or you can see, hey, this car's not starting. Now this car is starting. Or this car, whatever's fixed. The trunk's opening and all that. Now you no longer have that. And the thing about programming is sometimes you make the pro- you spend eight hours banging your head about a solution and then you come up with it after a good night's sleep in two minutes, right? So it's it's a very different type of thing. So it took six months to kind of get used to like, hey, I'm getting mentally tired, but I have all this physical energy. You know, there's a little different, there's a twist to me starting up that company because it was only, he was the only other developer. And uh, again, he's going to be one that's watching and and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal person. I mean, I I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. But I think he had ulterior motives of me being his replacement when I was hired. So I was only a few months in before, before he left. And then the next thing I know, I'm the developer now. So I became very, very busy. Everything's new to me. It's like I didn't have a chance to ask every question that I didn't know I needed to ask. They, you know, now I know, but in retrospect, I had no idea all the stuff I needed to know. And it was just a huge learning curve. Absolutely worth it. But eventually that kind of need to chase myself out physically is kind of waned off. I'm pretty comfortable and I recognize what a productive day looks like. You know, I I really have the feeling of like, okay, I did a lot today. I did nothing today. That's a bug. Bugs happen. Um, I'll fight it again tomorrow. How did the people around you take about to this chain? Because, you know, your family, you know, they kind of push you into this career. Were they supportive or was it something that you had to be like, no, this is what I'm doing? So before, when I was working as a mechanic, I had a two-hour commute, an hour and a half to two-hour commute one way. I was typically gone in the morning by 6 a.m. And I wasn't home till about 6 o'clock at night, 7 o'clock at night. So for me to be home more 
they love it. They absolutely love it. That I'm, I'm around now. I get to see him. Um, I'm not tired all the time. I'm, I, I'm ready to go outside and play and chase the dogs around, which were things that you know, I really didn't do before. I came home. I wouldn't be left alone and go to bed. So what has become easier for you? And what's something you still struggle with? At first, you're very focused on syntax. And I, the way I always equate it is learning to read or write is hard. Everybody remembers learning to read or write. It was a lot of learning. It was a long process. But that doesn't make you a novelist. You may be able to read and write, but you can't write a book yet. You don't know how to do that. And code is the same way. You learn to code. That's hard. But you still can't really write code. And now it's a lot easier for me to formulate how I'm going to write my code. It's like, okay, so this is a problem. This is what I want to do. And now I know how I want to approach that. And how do I want to make it reusable? How do I want to make it more maintainable? I have that experience now. Hard is still, some of the bugs I face can be pretty hard because I have no real good resources to go to. But it's also still a welcome challenge. Now let's kind of take a step back in your career. So as a mechanic, what are the things that you did right to like get you ahead in your career? Now in the mechanic world, my specialty was normally diagnosis, diagnostics and electrical. And that really propelled me above everyone else. Most mechanic people are very mechanically inclined. They want to hold things. They want to touch things. Electrical diagnosis is, is very abstract. Um, and it gets much more complicated than just a guy covered in grease. Um, there's a lot going on there technically to really understand if you want to diagnose why it's not working, you need to understand, you know, what a MOSFET, what a MOSFET is, how it switches, how all that operates. And I did. I love that stuff. It was my hobby. So that really just gave me an edge over most people I worked with. Now, how'd you learn this electrical stuff? My grandfather was an electrical engineer, didn't really teach me anything, but he left me some of his equipment. And I thought it was really cool. Um, as a kid, my dad would kind of pick up Radio Shack stuff and bring it home. Like, here's a Radio Shack kit. And I just kind of had fun making little radio kits. And then Arduinos kind of blew all that up. It's like, I was in love with an Arduino. How, how do I control a big motor? Oh, you got to buy a $300 motor controller. I'm like, I can't afford that. How do I build a motor controller? And next thing I know, I'm, you know, it's like three weeks of reading how a motor controller works before I finally realized I'm a little in over my head, but I understand a lot more now. What were some mistakes you made in your mechanic career? Not quitting soon enough, not drawing a line. Uh, you know, if a company asks you to sacrifice for them, that's a one way street. You'll sacrifice for the rest of your life. They'll never sacrifice anything but you when they finally let you go. Yeah, no, that's very true, unfortunately. Um, it, I've seen it happen to a lot of people that, look, at the end of the day, the numbers, and I've seen it happen time and time again, where the owners have multiple cars, they're living good lifestyles, multiple homes, but times are tough, and it's they're not thinking of letting go of a car or letting go of a home. They're thinking of letting you go, despite you doing a lot of the things. Now, what are some mistakes that you have seen other people make in that career? One... And I don't want to discourage anybody from anything they dream of, but there are, after being in it for so long, it didn't take me long to be with somebody and go, this isn't for you. And that was one thing I saw a lot of people do. And another thing I saw a lot of people do is it's actually a mistake I made. It's probably the biggest mistake of my life I've ever made was demanding my worth. I, I suffered and never made any money. And it, it, it was, it was terrible. I couldn't make any money and I kind of blamed other people. And I finally found a job that paid me good. And the next thing I know, 
I, I walked into a dealership. I don't want to name any names. And I said, I need a job. And they said, okay, well, yeah. how much money do you want? And I demanded this high amount of money. And they called me back later that day and they said, okay, we'll hire you. Next thing I know, I'm like the second or third highest paid person in the whole building. And I've seen a lot of people do that where they say, well, one day my boss will give me a raise. No, he won't. You need to go ask for it. You need to get off your butt and go in there and say, this is what I'm worth. Give it to me or I'm going to leave. And once I kind of started understanding that more, next thing I know, I could actually pay my bills. What are the salary ranges for like a mechanic? You can be as low as 30 to 40 grand a year and upwards of 120 grand a year. In my last so many years of my career, I averaged anywhere from about 80 to 95 is, is what I averaged. But that was a lot of work, right? You were probably doing like, you know, 40 plus every week. You've got to be good at what you do. You, you have to be quick. Like I said, you get paid by the job. So you better organize things. You better get lucky. You better just kind of really know your stuff and figure things out really fast. What are some mistakes you've made in your tech career? I mean, it's not that long, but, you know, looking back, it looks like you did a lot of things right, that you always read, you stayed connected, and you worked hard. What are some things that you would have done differently now that you know a lot more? Network. Uh, I came in with my head down, just wanting to learn. And I've only recently become active on Twitter in the last like three or four months, maybe. And I kind of felt isolated. I didn't understand what it's like to be around other developers. I was kind of intimidated by it in a way because the mechanic environment is so different from the tech environment. And I'm like, I'm going to offend people. I'm going to, I'm going to make someone mad at me. So I avoided all that. And I finally said, you know what? I'm going to start networking, meeting people. And it's, it's helped me in my day to day code because I, I, I'm learning new things from, you know, every time I talk to somebody, you learn a new little trick and you learn enough little tricks that adds up to a giant trick. So how are tech and the automotive repair industry similar? What do they have in common? That's kind of a good question. And I, you know, I'd have to think about that. I think day to day work wise would be complex systems. You have a lot of different systems that interrelate. They're all different, but they're all, you know, in a way symbiotic. And in tech, you have a very similar situation where, you know, you have DevOps, you have backend, you have client side, you have management. Um, and, and you're going to see a lot of that in, in, in the mechanic world too, where you have the cars themselves have complex systems and then the businesses have their own complex systems that make things flow. So I'd, I'd say in that way, there's quite a few similarities. Now, what would you say are the biggest differences in how people think within the industry? There is a concern about time. There's also a heavy concern about doing it smart and really thinking about what you're doing. And when you're working on a car, a customer drops it off. Um, at the dealership that I, I was at, you needed to explain why it stayed for more than one day. So you don't have a lot of time to think about an approach or anything. Everybody, it's go, 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 go. The tech world, even though people would say it's the same thing, it's really not. It's much, it's a much slower pace. There's a lot more thinking about what we're going to do. You know, where, where you, you probably spend more time thinking about code than you do writing code if you're kind of really actually doing a decent job of it. So that is a huge difference is the pace that you, you kind of run by. How have you seen the industry change? Right. Because you mentioned that you're really good at electrical and a lot of the newer cars are getting much more complex from an electrical perspective. So have you seen 
just industry and like the practices that you need, just the approach, customer trends? Some of the biggest changes I've seen are the software for, for diagnosing problems. So we help Stack Overflow. Well, mechanics have programs like one called Identifix, where you can punch in a model, make and everything, and then the code number or the symptom. And it can give you back a series of tests to run like 99% of the time, this was a problem. And here's how to test it. So I've seen that become a huge thing to, to really improve that. And I've also seen, you know, we have the continued trend of people that just kind of guess, change apart, and then guess again. But normally, the shop normally has at least one guy that knows how to use an oscilloscope and can at least kind of prove out, yes, no, this is what's wrong. What are your future goals? That's tough. I mean, I want to become a much better developer. That's that's, And, and I know I'll never get to the point I want to be at. And that's okay. I, I'm, I'm totally fine with, you know, dedicating the rest of my life to studying it and, and getting better. On one hand, I'd almost like to say I, I want to leave, I want to look somewhere else. But on the other hand, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at because my, my big passion in life is efficiency. I, I really, I get excited if, if, if you told me that you have a process that takes five minutes and we could build software to make it four minutes and 30 seconds. You can bet your butt I pulled out my calculator how many times you do it a week. And I took that 30 seconds and I, I, I turned it into man hours. Like I, I guarantee I've already done that. So. I would love to take that and apply that thinking to learning because we, we talked about mechanics. There are other trades where software could help improve what they do. And by improving what they do, they can learn more. By learning more, they can make more money. Now, looking back at your career now, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Which career? My, my current tech career or my, my prior? Let's break it down. So let's say the automotive career and let's go into the tech career. Say my on-mode career, the only thing I could say accomplishment-wise was it finally got me in a position to where I could afford to buy a family for my house, or a house for my family. That's a big one. And for the tech career? You know, it's going to sound silly, but right now I, I, I started making some, um, my own little YouTube videos. And a couple of the people, there's a couple of people in particular that have reached out to me and said that I clarified some concepts that are typically very hard and you know they've kind of told me I'm really good at breaking down complex things to, to simple and that so far is probably the biggest thing to to be able to kind of give that back and, and you know share that I hope I get better at it my, my videos are not great but maybe one day I will get a little better look knowing you I know you're going to figure out a way to get better at it make it cooler and all that stuff now what would you say was the hardest thing you went through you know the hardest thing I went through is still right now where I'm at an awkward level. You know, I'm not a junior, but I wouldn't really say I'm in the mid. You know, options, if you want to seek out a higher financial paycheck, I'm in kind of like a, yeah, we don't know what to do with you. You're not quite good enough for what we want. And you're not, you're a little above the level that we, you know, don't want. Um, that's been kind of a hard part for me is, you know, I'd like to advance, obviously, I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. And at the same time, I, I hope my bank account reflects that. Uh, I know. Look, now that you're starting to network and you're starting to do things, I have no doubt that you're going to you're gonna make it happen. So can you sh- share more about your YouTube channel? So a big reason, my big push, um, I'm sure you're familiar with James Q. Quick. And he's got the slogan, Learn, Build, Teach. Yeah. 
And I was talking to someone in his Discord, kind of just having a rough day. And I said, look, don't, you know, start making content so people could see what you can do. I was like, that's kind of brilliant. You know, uh, how about I show what I can do rather than just try to tell people, hey, look, I can code. No, I can show you I can code. And I was like, well, nobody does data structures. Everybody's terrified of data structures. Well, why don't I start learning data structures, building data structures, and teaching it? And if I'm teaching data structures, what, someone's going to catch me in an interview and say, can you do a linked list? Sure. Do you want to watch my video or do you want me to do it right now? And that was kind of my, my big motivation behind it. And I've branched out now to building a project with kind of random people I met on Twitter. And it's like, let's all get together and record it and code out an hour or two. And, you know, if you guys want to code without me, feel free to commit to the repo. Feel free to post it to your YouTube. But it's kind of want to encourage more people to just don't talk about what you can do. Show people what you can do. Yeah, I mean, show don't tell, right? So many people can talk a lot, but, you know, it's really the power is in actually showing what you can do. Now, have you ever felt insecure about not having a degree in this field? Oh, in, in life in general, not just this field, but life in general. I mean, uh, a degree wasn't an option for me. It never was. I mean, even today, I, I still couldn't afford it. So, you know, you see a lot of people going with degrees and, and I've never saved that they're worthless because obviously they help a lot, but it just wasn't an option I had. So I've kind of had to work a little extra harder on, on my approach to where I'm going to go and how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And look, You've done it and you're teaching others and I'm pretty sure you're teaching others who have degrees how to do it. So it's like you obviously have that knowledge that you're actually causing an impact. Now, is there anything you want to share that you haven't shared already? You know, I didn't have anything easy. So I definitely hope that people don't always think, you know, oh, I didn't have it handed to me. Therefore, I should be mad at someone else. Well, you're not alone. You know, I'm not going to say that it doesn't suck. It sucks. It's It's miserable. But. You know, I hope everybody knows you're not alone. If you if you've had it rough and you haven't been able to get up to that next step because something's holding you back or life's throwing a bunch of crap at you, just at least know you're not alone. Now, let's say it's 2022 and you see your 18 year old self. What would you tell that person? Well, I'd start by saying probably something about pulling your head out of your butt. Um, from there, I would say the most important thing is that you're allowed to pick your friends. You're allowed to say, I don't want to be your friend. It doesn't mean you don't like somebody. It doesn't mean you hate them. But you're allowed to say, you know, we grew up together, but I don't want to be your friend. Because when you surround yourself with people that want to go further, you'll go further. But if you surround yourself with your grade school friends that never amounted to anything, sadly, you might not amount to anything. So I would definitely want to tell myself that it's it's okay to say, we're just not friends anymore. I'm moving to a group of people that are you know, more like-minded. What advice would you give for like the 18 year olds who are considering a boot camp? Cause you've seen a lot of them in your boot camp. What advice would you give them? I mean, I definitely would be very cautious about any boot camps because the, the cost of them is, is tremendous. And that's all that's the risk reward profile is, is, is terrible. If it's an affordable boot camp, it's great because it's structured and you can definitely place yourself amongst peers and understand and make friends right away. I mean, you've you've got a network of friends, even if they're not developers yet. Hopefully they will be, or at the least there's somebody you can talk to about code. But my advice would be be patient, study, 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 and study some more. How would people get in contact with you and support you? Uh, You can find me at Twitter. I think my handle is at jraynovic, and then... 
Same thing with LinkedIn. And my YouTube is just my full name, Joseph Rainovic. Thank you so much for your time. This was a fun episode. I wish you the best. And I know you're going to be that senior advanced engineer, whatever, you know, advanced is. And I look forward to more of your videos. Awesome. Thanks for having me so much. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem. NoDegree.com.